Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is TalkSport Daily. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another Andy Goldstein Talks About Daily Podcast with me, your host, Andy Goldstein. Now, on today's special episode, yeah, it's special, yeah, we are looking back at the best of this week on the TalkSport Network. And we start with Thursday morning when Deli Ali told the world his story. Here's how the TalkSport Network reacted. Very different morning to what mm. we think we were expecting when I boarded the train in Manchester at 5.55 uh, this morning. Um, I've sat down... As soon as I walked into the office today and watched the whole 43-minute interview uh, with Gary Neville and Delhi Ali on his Overlap YouTube channel. Uh, Ali revealing that he checked himself into rehab uh, for an addiction to sleeping tablets. He also revealed that he was molested as a child by a friend of his mother's. It, I, I, must, I must admit, uh, you, you saw me. I was sitting down opposite you whilst I was watching it. It was an emotional, it was, it was, it was a heart-wrenching experience watching that. And listen, he was very brave to come out and talk about some of the issues that he discussed during that interview. And it puts a little bit of context behind the downturn in form that everybody has noted over the last few years. Yeah, it does. And, and as you say, I could see that you were visibly moved by what you were watching, some harrowing revelations from Delhi Alley, um, some of which uh, I was aware of, but certainly not the, the stuff about his childhood and um, about... You know what went on with his family friend, if you like, and I think sometimes we're guilty in this industry. Football fans are guilty of thinking that footballers are, in some way, immortal, uh, but actually they are just like you and I, and they're still prone to the, you know, the same troubles of life that affect a lot of people. I think, as you say, very brave from Delhi Ali to come out and speak. I think it's slightly sad and a sad reflection of our industry. The reason that he chose to speak now was because the newspapers had got hold of the fact he'd been in rehab and were hounding him um, in his words so, so maybe there's a, a few people who need to take a look at themselves over that there's the human element of this no one likes to see someone struggling it, it's just it's quite distressing we, we've all had friends I know you've been through your own troubles yeah. we've all had people that go through, through dark and tough times and it's it's not nice, nice to watch but when you're someone in the, in the public eye you get spoken about in a slightly different way because our job here is to pontificate about football, sport, you know, who's playing well, who's not. And I think it's, it's a lesson, actually, for, for us all in this industry that we really need to think about what we say. And because we, we speak thousands of words every single time we come on air, mm. you've got to think about the individual. And there is the human element. These aren't, these aren't just footballers. These are humans. Deli is a human being. He's been to hell and back through his, his his young life that's that's clear you know he was an innocent that was led down all the wrong paths that was to go down he, he's come and made a stand 
And there'll be people suffering right now in sport. And, you know, whether it's gambling, whether it's, you know, other other undetectable drugs, the FA don't pick up in, in football, they'll listen to Delhi's story and, you know, he, he'll save lives. He's, he's very brave in what he's done. You know, as you said earlier, Tyson Fury's done similar. You know, he, he's, he's turned, turned the corner. You know, we, we do not choose to be addicts. We do not choose to have this problem. We can choose how we deal with the problem, like you've said, and we can, if we want it enough, you know, we, we, can, find, we can find a cure. Well, not cure, we can find an answer to it, which means we have a life again and we can enjoy doing what we're good at in life again. And Delhi's turned that corner now, but he's got to keep going. The beautiful thing is in all this is that speak like a problem shared is a problem halved mm. if you open up about any difficulties that you've got if you share it with somebody you trust if you share it with somebody who you talk to on a daily basis like do it you know yeah. you're probably going to get that support and i and think it's, it's probably going to help you what's key here as well and interesting is because you know understandably there has been a, a huge outpouring of, of love for delhi but you know he's he's pointed out the fact that you know at times like this you do know who your friends are and he's he's specifically mentioned eric dyer you know he's not been at spurs now for a number of years but he says that eric has been incredible for him you know a constant kind of source of support and also you know you've got to mention everton as well yep. you know on a yep. foot on a footballing purely footballing sense he's not been good for them yeah. and they they invested a huge amount of money in him but he has made a point of saying that Everton have been absolutely fantastic with me. I explained the situation. They've offered me support. They've been there That's for good. me. Mm. And, you know, in, in many worlds, sometimes football gets a bit of a bad rap, doesn't it? That they don't get help and support and that they are just a footballer to them. But, you know, you could understand from a footballing sense, Everton think, oh, you know, oh, we've, we've made a big mistake here in, in, in investing in this player. But they didn't. They invested in a person. They've stood by him. So, so fair credit to everyone who did as a, as, a, as a friend, but also as Everton as a football club. He spoke incredibly well. Uh, I did tweet yesterday. It was incredibly triggering for me because there were a lot of things there in my childhood that were very similar, that were incredibly powerful. And I just couldn't watch a lot of it at, some, some, at times. It made me very anxious yesterday. I hope he gets this help and support he needs beyond the sport. And just like an Ash Barty or other players that said, you know what, I'm playing professional tennis, I'm playing professional this, I'm playing professional that. Once I get well... I might go on and do something else. Mm. And I think that we need to have the conversation that instead of going on this constant sort of, I'm going to go from club to club to club to club to try and scratch around and get some form. I think that sometimes there needs to be a conversation that if I get better and I still go back into this sport and it triggers a lot of the things that I've gone through um, in my childhood, am I best served? going and doing something else. Mm. And I think that conversation is yet to be had in professional sport. And following on from Deli Ali's harrowing interview with Gary Neville, Jermaine Pennant joined me on Drive Time to discuss his own personal battles and how they affected his football journey. I thought I was just a, a loose cannon. I thought I was a... That's just what I am. I'm just this person who makes mistakes, who's a, you know, can't be trustworthy... And my life was kind of falling apart. And I, I sat down and I thought, what is wrong with me? And so what I, age is this? This is multiple times. This is throughout my career. I will, you know, I'll make a, a stupid decision. You know, when I went to prison, when I came out and things just sometimes just didn't change. I was going like, going over, the, over again, making the same mistakes. And I, I sat down and said, well, what am I doing? How many kids out there would give an arm and a leg to be a professional footballer? Why do I keep making these mistakes? What is wrong with me? 
And again, I didn't understand the trauma. I did not understand a, a lot of things and the ADHD that I had. I didn't, which I'd only been diagnosed last year, which all played a massive part. So I went to a therapist to try and get some answers. And and I did. And it's, it's helped amazing. And they did this test with me. Um, it's called an ACE test. Uh, Adverse Child Childhood Experiences. And they asked you 10 questions. And the how you are, it's your 12 times higher risk of health risks, such as alcoholism, drug use, you know, depression, suicide attempts, you know, going to prison. And I'm just going to like, a couple of the questions were like, did a parent or adult in the household often ever push, grab, slap you, throw something at you or hit you or injure you? Did an adult um, or a person at least five years older than you ever touch you, fondle you, um, do you often, do you often, uh, another question would be, do you often ever feel like in one point in the family you never loved, it wasn't, impo- wasn't important? So there's loads of questions. And I scored nine out of 10. And when they told me that, I was like, wow. Without help or without speaking to someone, I would just continue making the same mistakes. So, so that was the first time you realised it wasn't just that was the way you were programmed. Yeah. It was something deeper. Because everyone was telling that. Everyone was labelling me that as well. So to a, to, to, to a point, you start to believe that. So there was a, there was a lot of self-destruction going on in your life. You mentioned, 100%. You mentioned you crashed a car. You went to prison. Yep. You had to play football with a tag on. Um, and I, I know, because we had this chat earlier on briefly, that you told an incredible story about when you, were, when you went to prison. You were on loan at Birmingham. And Steve Bruce came to prison to see you. Is that right? Correct. T- yeah. Tell me more about that. Well, I was on loan at Birmingham. Then my sentence got got brought, and I got sent to prison for thirty days. And Steve wanted me to sign, and uh, he visited me in prison. He said, "I want to come and see you, not to talk about signing for Birmingham, but to come and see me as a person, as a young boy, as a young young lad, and see how I was doing on my health." And it was it was weird because everyone knew who it was. Everyone was looking around in the in the in the meeting room, and um, but that meant a lot. Again, my father wasn't there; he didn't come. Uh, my agent, obviously, who I've had since since I started playing, and then obviously signed for for, for Birmingham. But what Delhi's saying about Poch is, I had the same with with Steve. No, he, he he understood me. He he kind of probably done a bit of research, knew where I came from, and knew my background to a certain degree. But he never puni- he, he never punished me. He would be angry, but he wouldn't punish me. He would always try and play me because I was you know one of his star players, and he would put his arm around me and talk to me and say, "Are you all right?" You know, when I was out of line, yeah, he would he would you know do the necessary bit. It, it wouldn't be right going with the kids and, and you know, whatnot and not play, which I, that's all I wanted to do. And on the back of that, because he was there for me and I could feel like I could talk to him, he put his arm around me, that was probably one of the best periods of my career. And on the back of that, I got a move to, to Liverpool. Most managers that I've had have just thrown me away, going train with the kids, never had a conversation like, are you all right? Is everything going on? Is everything all right in the head? Is everything going all right at home? No one's ever asked that question. They just thought, you're, you're a bad lad, you're a bad boy. Uh, a reminder, if you have been affected by any issues, the Samaritan's 24-hour 
helpline is always available. That's 116123. That's 116123. And if you're under the age of 18, you can call Childline on 0800 1111. 0800 1111. Now, on Tuesday, we found out that Tyson Fury would be returning to the boxing ring in a fight against UFC champion Francis Ngannou. Fury's promoter Frank Warren joined me and Andy Townsend on my show, Andy Goldstein's Drive Time, to discuss the controversial matchup. Since we announced this on TalkSport as we came on air at four o'clock, I'm looking at my switchboard, it's lit up. Boxing fans, the words they're using are nonsense, it's not a boxing match, it's farcical. The list goes on and on and on. Why have you put this fight together, firstly? It's two guys who are the best in their, in their relative sports. That's what they are. One is uh, the, un- I think he's un- um, who's the champion of UFC. He's in the uh, Guinness Book of Records as the hardest ever puncher. And he's in with Tyson. It's a fight we make. And let me tell you why we, why do we make the fight? Because we tried to make the fight with Usyk. We tried to make it with uh, Joshua and neither of them wanted to know. And Frank, was there, was there nobody else out there? Because I, I again... Well, well, who, well, tell me, who else is out there? First of all, and the other thing is, everybody's was this, this whole division was stagnant stagnant because everybody was waiting for a, a big show in december which we were told a couple of weeks ago will now be pushed back to the first quarter of 2024 so what do we not do sit around waiting they said that nothing could be done in saudi well something is being done in saudi and this is the fight that's being made and it's a, and, and and we're doing the deal with a different group of people in saudi so there's a market credit. It's a massive game changer as far as the sport's concerned, as far as doing shows in Saudi. And more importantly, Tyson is busy. You know, he's not fighting. I mean, he's not, you know, you look at the fight they've announced yesterday for uh, Joshua against Dillian White. We all see Dillian White and uh, Tyson last year. I mean, it was a, I mean, it weren't even a race. Mm. Tyson done an absolute job. And you, everybody's now selling this fight like it's something extra, extra special. Frank, let me ask you, right, because you said who, who else is there for him, as in him, Tyson Fury, to fight. Go on. Is that, listen, I see Tyson Fury as like the flag bearer for boxing. And a lot of people are saying at the moment, boxing, especially heavyweight boxing, is in the gutter. Are you suggesting that because there is a lack of opponents in this division, he is left with no choice other than to fight a UFC fighter? No, I'm not. I, I'm saying that the, the fights were... No, it's not because of that. And, and I'm not going to kid anybody and say any different. But let's just say it's in the gutter. You've got, first of all, you've got, you've got Joe Joyce coming up, having a rematch against uh zhang. zhang the chinese the chinaman who's the uh, right so mm-hmm. zhang that's that's on that fight's on is a cracking fight how is that in the gutter you got daniel dubois fighting Usyk next month in a cracking fight how is boxing in the gutter well it's uh, those Frank, fights it's... Those, hang on let me finish those fights so why is tyson going there because, because he's tyson fury and he's been offered a serious lot of money to get involved in a unique event where you've got two guys from two different sports are going are going to fight, and it's not an exhibition; it's a fight where it's going to be a shootout, and whoever wins going to win the fight. Will, will it? Will it count on Tyson's pro boxing record? He's currently thirty-four fights and thirty-three it, it, wins. It, it, it's, look, it's a it's a different type of event. But will it count? It's a Frank? different event. I don't know. You better ask the governing bodies. But as far as we're concerned, we're putting an event on with two massive punches. Let me put it this way: Have you seen any UFC? fighters who don't come to fight or are you say are you saying that ufc fighters are crap and they're not worth i'm not just worth. saying i'm just saying the crossover between a ufc well, fighter so, there's a, so what's the what's the I, I've, I've managed 
and promoted lots of boxers who've been mixed martial arts fighters who've taken out professional licenses and gone on to fight for titles. Yeah, but Frank, it's just from, a, you've been around the business a long time. I know you feel passionately, you, boxing's been your life and, and in your blood, but the credibility of your sport as well is also very important. The credibility of your fighter is also very, very important, but he's the world champion. He's someone that we all absolutely love to see having proper fights, not Mickey yep. Mouse stuff on the yep. other side of the world in the middle of the night. What? Sorry, sorry, stop, stop, stop. Where'd you get Mickey Mouse? Well, because that, because he's well, a world no. champ, Frank. He's the world champ, and he should be I, fighting the I proper people. Well, sorry, he's, he's, we made serious offers to what you call the proper people. So what you saying? The guy who's not a proper athlete? I'm not saying, saying that at all. I'm not, not saying what, that at so all. So I don't. So I don't understand the point you make. Is he not a warrior? Is he not a fighter? Is he not the best? What is UFC a Mickey Mouse situation? Well, no, no, it most certainly isn't. But if you're going to have the, if we're going to, if boxing all of a sudden is just going to be go, going down this road, we're having these crossover fights when all of a sudden the fights that the public really want, and you know as well, Frank, come on. Well, I know you've you, got a you, job no, to no, do, no, but listen, the fight the I'm public you, really I'm, I'm want, they, you, you, haven't, you haven't got it on the table. That's the truth. And staying with boxing, earlier in the week, Simon Jordan responded to Anthony Joshua's recent criticism of talk sport in true Simon Jordan fashion. By obviously using lots of long words, no one really knew what they meant. Why are they so quick to judge? Well, on saying, like, where's, where's the killer instinct gone? Where's that, where's that old AJ gone? Why do they there's think a, say There's that two elements of it, in my opinion. And we'll just keep it factual. One is just general haters. And the second one is people who want me to do better. And I love that. So it's just, it's what it is. But let's, let's be clear on what it is as well. There is, uh, an, a, let's call it an attack on my name, especially on this TalkSport radio station. Yeah, there is definitely an attack on, on my name. But it's fine. It's fine, you know, in this industry, you have to have a thick skin. But it's good to talk about it. Like, that was just one example of many I could point out um, on how there's, like, parallel comparisons but one gets dug out a lot more mm. let's be clear Anthony Joshua has done wonderful wonderful things for British boxing in a high tide all boats rise high and he's been that high tide economically he's not been held to any different standards than other people have no, certainly not by me if his accusations about me or Jim or anyone else whether it's Gareth A. Davis or whoever else he's taking a swipe at right? the bottom line is is that all people have done is looked at his body of work and made observations about it and they've looked at Fury's body of work and made observations about it. so when someone like me turns around and goes oh leave off that you know by the way the same Dillian White that's now fighting uh, Anthony Joshua that Tyson Fury destroyed this time last year or a little bit earlier when Tyson Fury puts in an inauspicious performance against Otto Wallin gets criticised when he fights a pup of a fight against Derek Chisora it gets criticised now they're potentially talking about the Ngannou fight gets told by people like me Jesus Christ why would the WBC champion of the world be fighting that particular fight all of those criticisms right? but when someone says somebody that lost his heavyweight championship of the world to the Pillsbury Doughboy then goes and loses uh, to a cruiserweight. Hang on a second, that's kind of not where we would expect Anthony Joshua to be. That's an unfair attack. Well, it's interesting. I mean, this, is, this is the former heavyweight champion of the world. He should not be getting a WBC belt, but he should be getting a whining BC belt because <laughs> it's nonsense. On now to cricket, an England fast bowler, Mark Woody Wood, joined Natalie Sawyer and Dean Saunders on the breakfast show at the start of the week and spoke about England's dramatic win against Australia at Headingley in the third test of the Ashes. You know, at the end of the game there, when you were batting? Yeah. I mean, talk us through that, that little spell you had with um, 
Chris Wokes. Yeah. Oh, well, I've watched it back about 10 times, to be honest, so I know exactly what happens every ball. Um, I think when when I managed to get the six in the uh, like fine leg area um, and the crowd went wild there, like it was the first time I, like, I took it in. I was a bit, obviously, I was nervous in the dress room, like the clammy hands, the, you know, the panic. I think my heart rate's just about come down now. But <laughs> when I got there with Wokesy, he was great with me, to be honest. He, he, he sported me a lot in the middle, tried to keep me calm. Um, and, and clear really on the next ball, you know, back what you're going to do. Make sure you're thinking about um, the wider one if the ball is a little bit wider. If I try and like, sort of hook it from from wide, then there's more chance of the ball, you know, top edging and getting caught. So I was just waiting for that that one ball where I felt I could, you know, get it for four or six. And luckily, I got a, a decent piece of it and, it and it went for six to find leg. Six runs needed. England 245 for seven. And Australia have gone short ball to Mark Wood. They've gambled six or out. And Mark Wood, like he did in the first innings, it's paid off. Uh, Wood has come in after the dismissal of Harry Brook. He's raced away to 12. And what would this mean to you if you could win the Ashes with England? Would it mean more than winning the World Cup? Well, it would certainly obviously be up there, given the situation of being, you know, 2-0 down um, to come back um, and, and win you know, three two would be. I, I don't think there's going to be many draws this series. If I'm perfectly honest, I think the way that both teams play, um, you know, there's going to be results. So it would be right up there if we could if we could do this. I all. I really feel like all eyes of the the country are on these games. So um, we've, we've had fantastic support so far. Really felt it. The hype, everything around it feels. You know, like this could be an iconic series for some players. You know, ones that I remember. I've spoken to Harmy a lot, and he speaks about 2005. Never. You know, remembers that I remember clearest day where I was at periods of that Test match series. So hopefully we can give the fans some moments like that and, and win the next two games, and then it'll be really, really remembered. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Man City midfielder Calvin Phillips spoke to TalkSport's Ollie Klink earlier this week and explained why Jack Grealish is his inspiration. You know, I've known Jack for years. I've played against him for years and, um, you know, he's a very much a family man as well. Loves his family, keeps him very close and um, he's obviously had these tough times, you know, when he was younger as well. So his career paths have taken basically the same step, but just a, a year apart and... Um, you know, I kind of look at Jack and just think, you know, he's, you know, my inspiration in this part because, you know, he had a tough first year and, you know, so did I. And, you know, his second year came out flying. So, um, so yeah, I'm looking forward, obviously, to getting pre-season started and, you know, hopefully I can I can turn things around. Comes back to Grealish again. England five up with the Bukayo Saka, who's now left the field, scoring a hat-trick, a 13-minute hat-trick. Grealish... Clipping it in, and it's tapped in for six by Calvin Phillips. His first goal for his country. How have you coped mentally with having less game time this season? Um, it's been very difficult. It's been different as well. Um, but it's been difficult because, you know, I'm used to, I was at Leeds, I was used to playing every single game when I could. And, um, you know, just to see, you know, a different the difference between, you know, playing every single game and then, you know, not being able to find your rhythm when you're not playing. Um, you know, it's very hard and it taught me a lesson that, you know, you've got to always keep on your toes. You've got to always be fit, always make sure you're working hard enough to, because you never know when the right opportunity will come and when it does. And if you're not ready, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be a struggle for you. So. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say that. Well, that's it, gang. Thanks for listening on the TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcast from. There will, of course, be another one of these Andy Goldstein TalkSport daily podcasts at first in the morning. Do what you got to do to get it. Until then, thanks for listening. Have a good day and above all. Be safe, everyone. Be safe. That was a podcast from TalkSport. 